Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Luxury Healing, baby. <laughs> Luxury healing means that we mind the business that pays, right? I'm not going to be out here spending a bunch of money on things that are just going to make me sad and I'm going to have buyers or more. I'm going to spend the money on things that make me feel good, people that, you know, make me feel good and, and go on places that make me feel good and things that resonate. Living is a luxury, don't you think? When we're talking about luxury healing, some of us didn't even make it to hear this show. So I think that we all need to be cognizant of the fact that just to be living is a luxury. So when we talk about luxury healing, it's not always going to be cute. It's not always going to be free. Healing costs money. You think jail don't cost money? <laughs> and when you're in an unhealed space and you go to jail, that costs money. You know, when you're in an unhealed space and, and you're doing things, you know, to your kids or you're, you're not paying your child support or you're not paying your dues in the community, those things in the end will cost you money. That's a luxury that a lot of us don't have. y'all i am here again it is season eight y'all we made it so it's season eight episode one of my top of truth um tuesday show it is september 7 2021 and i'm super excited um because today is a jewish holiday it is their new year i got to spend some time with my girlfriend ashley who gave me some apples and honey she said that first week new year um, and we made a toast, she made me some shala or hala, however you pronounce it. Um, and today we celebrate in many ways. It's Yemaya Siste. So if you guys aren't familiar with Yemaya, she is one of the Orishas. She's one of the African deities who represents as a mermaid. And we, you know, pay homage to her just like we do some of the other Orishas just to say thank you for everything she's done um, for us. In this, in this realm, in this lifetime. Um, today we started my eighth season of the show. I'm thankful. And I definitely wanted to bring Jeff Elder on the show as remembrance, as remembrance and to pay homage to those who lost their lives on September 11th. He actually was on Air Force One when all that was uh, going on. He actually worked for two separate presidents, I believe two terms. Uh, he's also the Democratic and Working Families Endorsed Candidate for Niagara County Legislature in the 4th District. And I am just thankful to have a moment of his time to reflect. And so I haven't been, you know, the uh, present uh, podcaster that you've known me to be over the years because I was taking some time away, just having to deal with some things. My son started his senior year this year, and I'm super excited about that. We already have college picked out all as well. 
we are coming into a season of harvest, as you know, that everything that we did, so sometimes we don't see what's budding underneath the ground or what's budding on the trees. And then when it becomes harvest time, it's not just the spring, it's the fall. We have harvest, which is Demeter's time. So if you're into Greek mythology and things of such, this is her time uh, with the corn and the pumpkins and everything else. And so I always want to pay homage to those things and those people and those um gods that have come before us, because it's important for us to understand what we come from and where we come from in a time where our communities are being riddled with bullets, our communities are being riddled with opioid asphyxiation and overdoses, our communities are being riddled with single mothers, single fathers, uh, parentless children, our communities are being riddled with everything but hope. Uh, it's important for us to understand that we have ancestors and relatives that have lived through the Great Depression, that have lived through Holocaust, that have lived through slavery, and not just in Amer- on American soil. I'm talking about the actual word slave comes from the Slavic origin of the word, okay? I want us to all take a moment to try to be kind to people when we don't understand, but at the same time, I don't want anyone to take any of anyone's trash or any of their projections or any of their instabilities or any of their lack and create it as your own. And so sometimes it's important for you to say, you know what, I understand that you have problems, but I'm not going to ingest that because that's what you're going through today. If I can help you, then I would do that because see, some people don't want help. They just want attention. Okay, and I'm not really for that. And so, therefore, it's important for us to talk about the things that are bothering us and the things that we're not healing from. And that's why I took a little bit of time away to focus on what was going on with me because I knew that I had a hell of a harvest season coming up. And then I start seeing and hearing these disparaging things, and it makes it very difficult for me to ignore them because you want my attention. And people have to understand that positive or negative attention is attention. And if a person is able to get what they want through that attention, they're going to do it. And so sometimes the best response is no response. And the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Imagine how frustrating and enraging it must be to live in a community where indifference is a a method of communication. You know, we don't care either way if you kill yourself. We don't care either way. We we talk about the Black Lives Matter, but then I I really just keep seeing black-on-black crime, and this is an issue for me. So I'm trying to get someone on the line that can help us with that. And if I'm not mistaken, is this Mr. Elder? Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Is this Mr. Elder? Good afternoon. Yes, it is. How are you? I am fabulous. I am glad that we got it together to finally get you on my show. I was very (laughs) excited about that. And so I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. You're on iTunes. You're on blogtalkradio.com. So I want you to introduce yourself like you're introducing yourself to a stranger, even though I know who you are. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I am Jeffrey Elder, and I am the um, uh, the endorsed Working Families and Democratic candidate 
for county legislator in the 4th District here in Niagara Falls, New York. I'm a former um, Air Force One crew member, and um, I've moved back to Niagara Falls to try to help the city get on its feet and get where it needs to be. Right, and I just um, had a conversation about the fact that you were on Air Force One during um, the September 11th attack when it was happening. Yes, that was uh, that was a, a, a trying day for the nation, but to, to be there and see everything going on firsthand it, it was something that um, that of course we'll never forget. Right now. So I want to dive right into some things because I've heard some disparaging um, remarks and comments just from some of the people in the city that are supposed to be upholding and we're supposed to be cohesive with. So we had a council member who came out that the reason that things are not happening in the city is because the police are being paid too much money. And I found that to be very disparaging because what he did was he actually posted a link to where you could go online and see what salaries were there. Now, the problem that I had with that is that's what we call clickbait, because when you go to that specific website, there's all these salaries listed that are in the 200,000, and none of them are our people here in Niagara County, okay? And then when you do finally scroll all the way down and get to the police officers, and I'm talking about the patrolmen, in Niagara Falls, because when people think police officers, they think like, you know, somebody that you're going to see in the street. They're not talking to lieutenants. They're not talking to captains and the chiefs and everything else. And it still did not come up to the sum total of the money that was shown when you first click on that. And I just think that that was in poor taste. I think on the heels of September 11th, when it was our first responders, it was our policemen, our EMT, our firemen that showed up to that site the average police officer in Niagara County is making less than $50,000 and that's before taxes. So unfortunately this particular council member is saying that police officers, patrolmen should be getting paid less to do more. And I don't think that's right, especially with the situation that we have going on in Niagara Falls right now, where you have shootouts every single day. These people are literally getting up to go do a job where at the height of COVID, most people were bringing home $503 a week plus the $600. That's $1,100 a week, $4,400 a month. To sit at home during the height of COVID, if you were unable to go to work or your job had shut down, you were making more than the average patrolman in Niagara Falls. And so I don't think it was fair that that particular councilman posted that police should get paid less. Do you think that that was fair to say, especially in the condition that our city is in right now? Um, no, as, as a, um, a person that was a firefighter for seven years in, in the military, um, I often think about um, whenever those bells go off, you don't think about, well, I might not come home tonight. You, you signed up for it. You know what is at stake, and, 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 and you're in for the long haul. If you don't come home that night, that is something that, um, that, that, that happens and that we are prepared for. But to, to say something like that, um, I really don't believe that because um, do, do you think it's right for somebody to say that I'll give my life to save you and for $50,000 and, and somebody's telling you that um, you're getting paid too much? You can't get paid enough for your life. So I, I, I definitely right. disagree with that 100%. 
Well, and, and I just think that that's also part of our city's problem is that we have an incohesiveness that's going on that no one wants to talk about because it doesn't affect this person because this person is sitting on a million dollars. This person doesn't have to work for a living. This person doesn't get up every day and because it's their passion, not their paycheck, have to get up and say, you know what, I might not come home today, as you stated. You know what, my family may not have, you know, a patriarch now because I have to go and save other people's families. And I was saying, I said, even if we're talking about the police chiefs and even if we're talking about the people that are making in the six figures, you have to understand there's still no dollar amount that you can put on a detective's life that is there to solve the crimes that nobody wants to talk about. And, and there's still no dollar amount for, and, and I just, it upsets me. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show because this gentleman, well, this, Man, this this person said this in the wake of it being the eve of September 11th. So while everyone else gets to sit home and watch these documentaries about what happened that day and how many firemen and how many police officers and EMTs and first responders lost their life, you're now telling the city of Niagara Falls, who was just published on the news, on the Buffalo News, okay, all the channels that we've had like nine shootings in like three days that we need to pay police less so that they can do more. And this upsets me. And so part of you being elected, and I know that Bill Kennedy is running for the sixth district and things of such, you first, I think, would need to live in the communities for which you're saying that need less. Because what it sounds like to me and it sounds very, um, it sounds very Boston in the 80s. It sounds very much like, you know what, let those districts have at it and shoot at each other and kill each other while I sit over here on my porch because it doesn't affect me in my district. It doesn't affect me where I live. I get to sit at home and be okay, but let them go out and do the work or let them kill each other, which to me is extremely racist and biased. So as legislature... Um, what are some things that you would be able to try to implement once elected for the city? Okay. And, and just uh, to go back on, on one of the things you were saying, uh, during the pandemic, many people actually got to telework or else they, you know, not go into work. You can't have a firefighter or a police officer telework. Nothing will get done. No lives will be saved. So that's something that they definitely can't do. Some of the things that I've been talking about as I've been walking, uh, canvassing um, um, the community is um, getting our police back involved in the communities. Back in the day when it took a village, you were walking around the neighborhood and the police saw you. If you were doing something, Jeffrey, what are you doing? I'm going to tell your mother. You know, it was that type of community where everybody knew each other. Nobody was afraid of the police, and the police weren't afraid to be in that neighborhood. You know, people would invite them in, give them a cup of coffee, what have you. That's what we need to get back to. And, you know, instead of just driving around, I'd like to see more police actively involved in our communities and, and letting the people know that there is nothing to be afraid of. Of course, you know, in every organization, you have a bad apple here and there, but we need to weed mm-hmm. those bad apples out and get back to that community, be, get back to that it takes a village. I agree, but I also agree that I think that the Niagara Falls Police Department, just from what I've seen and what I know, they do do a lot of community action, 
it's just that there's oh, yeah. such a negative connotation of police right now, that whole, like, you know, and, and I tell people all the time, again, like you said, it doesn't mean we don't have a few bad apples or pears, but what it means is that we're not Minnesota. We're not Los Angeles. And that's no disrespect to them. These are far larger cities. We don't have those problems here. We don't have a Texas problem. We don't have a Sandra Bland problem here. Okay, and so unfortunately, we see these things on the news and we become desensitized to the fact that those are not our police officers that are doing that. Okay, yes. Now, I can't speak for anywhere else, but like I said before, when we have the very people that are supposed to be cohesive, you know, we have council member, you know, Vacchio, who's really the head of council, sitting there posting police officer salary. What was the reason that you would do something like that? And not just that, let's, let's just keep it a buck. You know, when, when people are having their homes broken into, right, the first thing mm-hmm. you do, most people, is call out to God. God, help me. And then the next thing you do, yeah. you call the police. You call 911. Yeah. When you're in a fire, the first thing you do, you call out to God. You call out to your family. God, help me. And then what's the next thing you do? You call 911. You call the fire department. Okay? And so there has to be a sense of order. And right now we have a sense of lawlessness, I personally think, because of the bail reform, which that bail reform was, was, you know, so we are a small town in New York State. So we reap the benefits of a lot of things that happen in New York City, a lot of things that happen in Albany. We reap the benefit of that because we are in the state. We are one of the top 10 places in U.S. News and World Report to live in, in the United States, where our working wage is, is close to a living wage as you can get, meaning that we are yes. able to function and live with what the amount of money that we make. We wouldn't be able to do that in New York City. So no. when they passed the bail reform, okay, that was loosely partly based on the Khalif Browder situation, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, where a young man, because he was on probation from the time he was 16, he was on like a five-year probation. He robbed a bread mm-hmm. truck when he was 16. He was on the spectrum uh, mentally. He ends up, they thought he robbed somebody at a, a bodega with a backpack. Come to find out it wasn't him. He was held for three years <laughs> pending a trial and all this other stuff at the horrible institution of Rikers Island and ended up being beaten almost to death every night, raped, sexually assaulted, just thrown to the wayside, so much to the fact that when he got out of jail, hired Paul Prescia, who is an amazing civil rights attorney up in New York City, and he ended up committing suicide because the mental damage that had been done for him being in there for so long. Bail reform was never invented to allow criminals to go free to allow people that beat their children to death to go free or, or sexually assault women to go free or have multiple gun charges to go free. And I think that that, so we as people that are voting need to understand that when you're saying yes to something, it means you're saying no to something else. And so instead of focusing on what you're saying yes to, make sure you understand what you're saying no to, you know? And I think that Niagara Falls, when you have your council members going against people, talking about other council members, how they voted, who they voted for, in poor taste. So I don't care how much money Vacchio has that is in poor taste and it is low budget and it is low brow and low class, okay? In addition to that, you don't even live in these neighborhoods that you're talking about policing, but you want to make sure that you zone them so that it benefits whomever for tax purposes. Now, the other thing that, that, you know, 
I find that, you know, I have issue with is the fact that we are in a time when, you know, there is no cohesiveness in the city. I don't know if you can feel that and you can sense that. And you and I have had conversation about people that you thought, you know what I'm saying, were going to be, you know, not so much in the struggle, but people that would have been receptive to help. And they, they did more harm than good. Yeah. You know, they blindsided you with these personal, very minuscule endeavors or whatever it was they were trying to do. And it's not even a crab in the barrel syndrome because you don't even have a barrel, you know. And so now we have all this gun violence, all these, these issues, and now the police are being, you know, overworked, being forced to work. If you're on a 12-hour, so imagine you going to work and you get to work and now they tell you, I don't know if it's like this in, in you know, fire, but, hey, you know what, this person – can't come to work today or they're concerned to come to work today or they're scared for their life or they're injured or they're sick or whatever's going on with them. They can't come to work and you have to work another eight hours. Okay. So when police, you know, when they say like, Oh, there's no police presence, there is police presence. They're being overworked and now you want to pay them less. And I just somehow feel like a council member should not have said something like that without, you know, sitting down with the police sit down with the chief of police and say, why is this this? Why is this not happening? And the reason that a lot of council people or people that are in power in our city politically is because they don't care because it doesn't affect them. You know, and I want people to understand that poor and white in the eyes of some people is the same thing as being poor and black. So if you're not a millionaire, this person is not somebody that is vying for you. Okay. So now what would you suggest as a way to, um, I know that the police involvement is big, but what is a way that we can stop demonizing police just in our areas? Because lately, because of the bail reform, a lot of stuff has been getting let go, and people don't understand that. But their behavior is showing that they do. Oh, I ain't going to do nothing. Ain't nothing going to happen to me. I'm going to just get out on the ticket. I'm going to just get out on the ticket. They just going to give me a notice to appear. So what are some steps that you think that can be taken so that we can stop demonizing the police and start actually placing accountability and fault on the people that are actually committing crimes? Well, well, one of the things that we really need to work on is we need to work on education. And when I say education, we need to ensure that our police officers are educated, and we need to make sure that the police officers that are responding to the uh, certain events that that they are have the qualifications to go to that event. If 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 it's a, if it's a um, uh, incident where there's a shooting, yes, you respond. But if it's a, a psychological event, then you don't need to be going out guns drawn and everything. That's something totally different. And then, and we had to need to have people that are trained for those specific events because many people have been killed because of something went wrong um, in, in an event such as that. You know, um, you were talking about uh, the rich people, um, some of the rich people that don't live in these areas, but they want to make sure that they control what happens in those areas. For myself, Correct. I joined the military, and I'm a military man, and I didn't rich. I didn't come back here, you know, to line my pockets or anything like that. I came back here um, to, to work in this community because I've learned a lot, and I want to use those things that I learned to help my family, to help those in this community get back to where they need to be. So by, by helping our police 
bridge that gap between our community and the police. I'm reaching out to those, uh, those elders in the churches. Hey, look, because they have the ears of the people. And I'm like, what can we do to bring our police officers in here to get our people cohesively engaged to figuring out this solution? And, and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. This is going to take some time. This is going to take a lot of people willing to let their guards down, be a little vulnerable, but try to work on a solution together. To your mental health um, questions, too. I believe you're talking about like sensitivity training and mental health training. Yes, Let me ma'am. say this. I worked in mental health for about a decade, um, give or take mm-hmm. about a decade. And what I can tell you is that what we have now is, is an increased level of mica patients. So that's mentally ill and chemically addicted. So you have two factors yeah. going, right? When someone shows mm-hmm. up on a scene, what I can tell you is you don't know who the victim is and you don't know who the assailant is, right? So when you show yeah. up on a scene, right, and someone is spiraling out of control, they will harm themselves, they will harm you, and they will harm others. The goal yeah. is to get them to try to de-escalate and try to get them into a treatment program. The police should never be involved in something about de-escalation when they're trying to secure a scene, right? So the de-escalation has to come from a mental health professional that is familiar with, is this person a schizophrenic? Are they bipolar? Are they on drugs? Are they overdosing? Did they mix something with something else? So that's a, a touchy one because at the end of the day, if someone comes at you, and I can almost all the time watch something and say, oh, this person is on drugs, that's still a mental health mm-hmm. issue. That's still an addiction. Yes. That is still, you know, that they, they should be treated quite similarly, but the issue is if they're coming at you with a knife, are you going to let them stab you because they're having a psychotic break? And, yes, they might apologize tomorrow, but everyone has to be safe on the scene. That is the police's job, to protect. So they can't protect what they don't know. So, unfortunately, yes. we, watch a lot of, we watch a lot of violent issues happen, and they say, oh, well, this person was suffering this, and they had a mental break, and guns shouldn't have been drawn. But then they shouldn't be allowed to draw guns on the police either. They shouldn't be allowed to charge other members in the home with knives and things like that. They're there to secure a situation. And more often than not, they end up having no resources because there's nowhere to take children or to take certain adults. They take them back to these facilities, and then it's the facilities that actually call the police because now what the people are doing in the facilities is criminal beating up on, do you see what I'm saying? So the sensitivity training is definitely needed. The mental health training is definitely needed. We definitely need more mental health. I don't know if they call them officers or whatever to arrive on the scenes to say, this is what this person is going through. We have a small enough community where we can say, this is what this person is suffering from. This is what they were diagnosed with. So this is going to agitate them or that is not going to deescalate them. All the police are there to do is say, listen, you know, I I saw something not that long ago where they went up and they, you know, ended up shooting the girl in Ohio um, that actually had called the police to get these girls off the property. Now, when you watch the entire video, everybody's like, oh, they didn't have to shoot her. Well, she was getting ready to stab another girl. She was in close proximity. Uh, You're talking like not even a foot away with a huge knife, she was asked to put it down. So I don't care what mental health deficiency you have or what's going on, you understand, put it down. You understand, stop. So unfortunately, she lost her life, if I'm not mistaken, due to that. So that even though that wasn't a well-checked call, 
it's it's a situation where the police had to come there and again de-escalate a situation. We don't know who the victim is. We don't know who, you know, what's going on. So I think that the sensitivity training needs to happen. I definitely think that mental health um, needs to happen, but we also need to have more trained professionals that are able and facilities to deal with the people that are suffering mental breaks. I mean, this is we are in the middle of a pandemic. There are all yes. kind of new diagnoses coming out every single day or people being diagnosed with something and on medications that may not sit well with something that they're taking. So like I said, in 10 years, I've been attacked at my job, okay, when I worked in Florida, when I worked it with, with children, okay? You don't know because it, it comes on. It, it could be anything that triggers them. So we need to have a situation where all parties are safe. And so, yes, I, I agree that sometimes there might be excessive, like when we see, I don't think we've seen it here in this area where we've, you know, harmed someone that was mentally ill or, because typically people in this area, because it's small, know who has some issues, know who's capable of doing what. But now we have to get back to the fact that we still have a bunch of people running around with guns, you know, harming women, harming children. And then it goes back to, we don't know who killed this person or we don't know who killed this person. So when we talk about the church and we talk about the elders, you know, our elders are being murdered. You know, think about Mr. Richardson and nobody can tell me who did that. No one can tell anyone who did that. The town is the size of a postage stamp, you know, so there's, there's a deep, there's some level of, you know, demon being associated with telling the police about a murder. You understand what I'm saying? And I think that that needs to be like, do you want this solved? Because that same person, if that's the first time they did it, it won't be the last. You know, and I think that there has to, there's a stigma just attached to anything political or anything. Everybody wants results right now. Right now, right now. You need to change the laws. You need to change the legislation. You need to change this. You need to change that. But again, I go back to telling people, research these candidates yourself. Saying yes to something means you're saying no to something else. Okay. Yes. So now what do you have on um, the bill? So what is your main focus? You said working families and so on and so forth. So what are some things in closing that you would like the people to know? Any type of special days they need to remember? How they can, you know, get some information? You have an <laughs> awesome book out right now. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. So um, one of the big things that I'm very big in is I call it TIP to install pride. I, I, I want to work with our communities to install pride back in our communities. We need to have, we have so many abandoned homes or so many dilapidated homes. We have, we have um, slumlords that live in Buffalo, that live in Canada, they live everywhere else. And what I want to do, yes, I, what I want to do is to have the people that live in these neighborhoods actually get the first opportunity to purchase these homes because if you have a home you're going to put pride in it and you're going to take care of it you're going to treat it like you know this is something special to me you know it might not be much but it's something to me so i'm going to take pride in that and that's one thing that we need to do stop all these slumlords from uh, buying up all of our properties um we have so many different areas that that can use some additional vegetation. So I've been talking to some of the church elders, and like, you know what, we can plant gardens over here, we can plant gardens over there, and let the community actually work those gardens and and reap the benefits of those gardens. I mean, and and it'll definitely be beautifying the areas and and, and help take care of that. So um, 
another big thing is I'm going to be talking about the, uh, to the uh, Niagara Falls Transportation Authority. Um, we have no transportation to get to the best jobs that are in Lockport. If people want to get on a bus and go to Lockport, they have to go to Buffalo and then from Buffalo to Lockport. Oh, How wow, is that I didn't know that. If it, no, lots of people don't know that, but that is, and, and we're paying them a subsidy, uh, the NFTA, we're paying them a subsidy. So we definitely need to take a look at that. And, you know, we have, um, uh, they have a, a rail system in Buffalo, but wait a minute. Niagara Falls is the catalyst that brings people to Western New York. When they get to Western New York, they go to Buffalo, they go to um, uh, Wheatfield, other places, but Niagara Falls is the catalyst that brings them there. So why not extend that rail from Buffalo to Niagara Falls that people can have some uh, uh, reliable transportation as, as opposed to paying a lift or, or, or paying high dollars to, um, uh, to uh, get them moved around. Um, you mentioned that um, I, I have a book. Yes, I'm, I'm a brand new author. And as of uh, Father's Day this year, uh, the 20th of June, um, my, my book debuted, um, and it's called From Niagara Falls to Air Force One. And in back. So it tells my whole story about how I grew up here in Niagara Falls, where I grew up, um, about my family and everything, how I joined the military, how I uh, spent all my years in the military, and how I spent those 16 plus years on Air Force One flying around the world with Presidents Bush, Clinton, and Bush. And it tells uh, many different stories of that. And it also told how, why I came back home. Um, I came back home to, um, I, I had a, uh, my father was ill. My, my mother got ill. So I was like, you know, I've been gone for a long time. Now it's the time for me to leave. I left a great job at the Department of State. I was there for seven years um, and, and, and came back home. I didn't even have a job when I came back home, but I, I, I decided I was going to run for mayor. So I put my hat in the ring and um, did all those things. I said, God's going to take care of me. And God is definitely taking care of me. We got, um, I have a, an upcoming event um, it's, it's going to be a fundraising event, but it's, it's also a community event. It's going to be on the 30th, Thursday, the 30th of uh, September, and it's going to be at the Doris W. Jones Resource Building. Um, and basically, it's going to be from 5 to 7.30. And, and I'm going to do a barbecue. I want to, I want to have the people come out. I want to ha- let them meet the candidate and let them, you know, ask me questions and what have you, because I – we just had an event um, at uh, it was the Unity Park um, event at Whirlpool Park last weekend. It was a wonderful opportunity for the people of the community that grew up in Unity Park to come together and just enjoy themselves, get to reminisce, you know, how things used to be, and nobody had to worry about anybody pulling out a gun. It was just a wonderful, wonderful family event. We need more events like that to just let the let our young people know, hey, look, this is the way we used to do it. You know, if if something happened, you know, somebody might fight a little bit, and then that was it. Nobody pulled out a yep. gun. Where, where, where did that come from? We don't need guns to settle things. So no, those are some of the not. things that I have going on. Um, I, I, I tell people if they want to know more about Jeffrey Elder, I send them to my website, which is Jeffrey um, – Jeffrey Elder for L E G I S. So J F F R E Y E L D E R F O R L E G I S dot U S. You can go to my website and, and you can find out ways that you can uh, 
volunteer for my campaign, um, uh, see ways that you can help um, get things done in the community. And, and, and if you volunteer, I'm definitely going to put you to work because there's a place for everybody. We need help getting our city back on track. The 4th District is one of the districts that has the most um, boarded up houses, and, you know, it just needs help. So I live in the 4th District. I'm proud to live in the 4th District. You know, so somebody said, um, somebody said, Jeff, you live in the hood. I said, you're darn right. I live in the neighborhood, and we're going to make sure that our neighborhood is coming up, and, and you know, and, and it's something that we are all proud of. So <laughs> I'm sorry I got long-winded. <laughs> no, that's all right, darling. We have plenty of time, but I'm going to cut it short. <laughs> Jeff, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. I'm glad that you were able to come on here so that we can – talk about, you know, making sure that we pay homage to our first responders, our police officers, our firemen, our EMT, our nurses, and everyone who put their life on the line during COVID, during September 11th, and during, you know, all of these trying times, and they don't get the recognition, especially not the dollar amount, the saying police and firemen and everyone else should, you know, be paid less is like saying teachers should be paid less, which I think almost every parent during the pandemic who didn't homeschool understands that teachers should also be paid more. They're like, please come get your children. So today marks the first day of school in Niagara County for a lot of people. You know, shout out to all the teachers that are, you know, doing more but getting paid less. And it's because it's a labor of love. So we just celebrated Labor Day. I like to always point out a lot of things that we do are labor of love. It's not about the money. And like you summed it up best, you know, to get paid less than $50,000 COVID, there were people that were able to sit at home and be safe because their jobs weren't open or something like that. It was the police, the firemen, the EMT, the nurses. My niece is is a travel nurse out in L.A. during the time when this was you know, hugely uh, death, you know, death related out there in LA County, and she still went to work every day. And so I just wanted to take a moment to thank everybody, all the first responders. I definitely wanted to pay homage um, to all the lives that we lost on September 11th. Thank you so much for your work and your effort during that time. I mean, I don't, I didn't think that, you know, we had a hometown hero such as yourself. Like, I know we have a lot of (laughs) servicemen and people that went to war and came back, but I didn't know that we had someone who actually was on the plane when it was happening and just was literally sitting there just trying to figure out how we can all be cohesive. Definitely anything that you need, I'm definitely going to try to be there for your event that you have, because I know I I have it in my um, calendar, but you know, I'm always running around and everywhere. So let's just try to make sure that we get the city back to where it's cohesive. We're not always going to get along. We're not always going to agree, but I think that half the battle, like you stated, is us just being cohesive again. And I just want everyone to understand that the way that the city is acting right now is not indicative of how we've been functioning and it needs to stop. You know, the shooting needs to stop. You know, the, the the people, it doesn't cost much. It doesn't take much for you to go get a pistol permit and go to a range if that's what you want to do, but you don't need to be shooting one another. You know, you, you make a big hypocrisy of Black Lives Matter when the lives that are being lost are black and we're shooting at each other yeah. in our own, like you said, hoods, our own neighborhoods. 
and it needs to stop. Yes. There are certain entities and people that want to see that happen, and unfortunately, we are giving into that, and I don't like that at all. And so in closing, yes. guys, make sure you take the information, stay on the tip. What did you say to install pride? I like that a lot, and we're going to leave with a little <laughs> bit of Luther because that's my guy. And um, thank you so much. Oh, hold on. Make what I want us to listen to as we leave. I'm like, hold on, that's not even what I wanted to listen to. Okay, there we go. That was a little bit too slow. So we'll be talking. Uh, so Oh.